book twelve of pierre or the ambiguities by herman melville this librivox recording is in the public domain isabel mrs glendinning the portrait and lucy chapter one when on the previous night pierre had left the farmhouse where isabel harbored it will be remembered that no hour either of night or day no special time at all had been assigned for a succeeding interview it was isabel who for some doubtlessly sufficient reason of her own had for the first meeting assigned the early hour of darkness as now when the full sun was well up the heavens pierre drew near the farmhouse of the olvers he descried isabel standing without the little dairy wing occupied in vertically arranging numerous glittering shield-like milk-pans on a long shelf where they might purifyingly meet the sun her back was toward him as pierre passed through the open wicket and crossed the short soft green sward he unconsciously muffled his footsteps and now standing close behind his sister touched her shoulder and stood still she started trembled turned upon him swiftly made a low strange cry and then gazed rivetedly and imploringly upon him i look rather queerish sweet isabel do i not said pierre at last with a writhed and painful smile my brother my blessed brother speak tell me what has happened what hast thou done oh oh i should have warned thee before pierre pierre it is my fault mine mine what is thy fault sweet isabel thou hast revealed isabel to thy mother pierre i have not isabel mrs glendinning knows not thy secret at all mrs glendinning that's that's thine own mother pierre in heaven's name my brother explain thyself knows not my secret and yet thou here so suddenly and with such a fatal aspect come come with me into the house quick pierre why dost thou not stir o oh, my god if mad myself sometimes i am to make mad him who loves me best and who i fear has in some way ruined himself for me then let me no more stand upright on this sod but fall prone beneath it that i may be hidden tell me catching pierre's arms in both her frantic hands tell me do i blast where i look is my face gorgons nay sweet isabel but it hath a more sovereign power that turned to stone thine might turn white marble into mother's milk come with me come quickly they passed into the dairy and sat down on a bench by the honey-suckled casement pierre forever fatal and accursed be the day my longing heart call thee to me if now in the very springtime of our related love thou art minded to play deceivingly with me even though thou shouldst fancy it for my good speak to me oh speak to me my brother thou hintest of deceiving one for one's good now supposing sweet isabel that in no case would i affirmatively deceive thee in no case whatever wouldst thou then be willing for thee and me to piously deceive others for both their and our united good thou sayest nothing now then is it my turn sweet isabel to bid thee speak to me oh speak to me that unknown approaching thing seemeth ever ill my brother which must have unfrank heralds to go before o oh, pierre dear dear pierre be very careful with me this strange mysterious unexampled love between us makes me all plastic in thy hand be very careful with me i know little out of me the world seems all 
one unknown india to me look up look on me pierre say now thou wilt be very careful say so say so pierre if the most exquisite and fragile filigree of genoa be carefully handled by its artisan if sacred nature carefully folds and warms and by inconceivable attentivenesses eggs round and round her minute and marvellous embryos and isabel do i most carefully and most tenderly egg thee gentlest one and the fate of thee short of the great god isabel there lives none who will be more careful with thee more infinitely considered and delicate with thee from my deepest heart do i believe thee pierre yet thou mayest be very delicate in some point where delicateness is not all essential and in some quick impulsive hour omit thy fullest heedfulness somewhere where heedlessness were most fatal nay nay my brother bleach these locks snow-white thou son if i have any thought to reproach thee pierre or betray distrust of thee but earnestness must sometimes seem suspicious else it is none pierre pierre all thy aspect speaks eloquently of some already executed resolution born in suddenness since i last saw thee pierre some deed irrevocable has been done by thee my soul is stiff and starched to it now tell me what it is thou and i and delhi over to-morrow morning depart this whole neighbourhood and go to the distant city that is it no more is it not enough there is something more pierre thou hast not yet answered a question i put to thee but just now bethink thee isabel the deceiving of others by thee and me in a thing wholly pertaining to ourselves for their and our united good wouldst thou i would do anything that does not tend to the marring of thy best lasting fortunes pierre what is it thou wouldst have thee and me to do together i wait i wait let us go into the room of the double casement my sister said pierre rising nay then if it cannot be said here then can i not do it anywhere my brother for it would harm thee girl cried pierre sternly if for thee i have lost but he checked himself lost for me now does the very worst blacken on me pierre pierre i was foolish and sought but to frighten thee my sister it was very foolish do thou now go on with thine innocent work here and i will come again a few hours hence let me go now he was turning from her when isabel sprang forward to him caught him with both her arms round him and held him so convulsively that her hair sideways swept over him and half concealed him pierre if indeed my soul hath cast on thee the same black shadow that my hair now flings on thee if thou hast lost aught for me then eternally is isabel lost to isabel and isabel will not outlive this night if i am indeed an accursing thing i will not act the given part but cheat the air and die from it see i let thee go lest some poison i know not of distill upon thee from me she slowly drooped and trembled from him but pierre caught her and supported her foolish foolish one behold in the very bodily act of loosing hold of me thou dost reel and fall unanswerable emblem of the indispensable heart-stay i am to thee my sweet sweet isabel prate not then of parting what hast thou lost for me tell me a gainful loss my sister tis mere rhetoric what hast thou lost nothing that my inmost heart would now recall i have bought inner love and glory by a price which large or small 
i would not now have paid me back so i must return the thing i bought is love then cold and glory white thy cheek is snowy pierre it should be for i believe to god that i am pure let the world think how it may what hast thou lost not thee nor the pride and glory of ever loving thee and being a continual brother to thee my best sister nay why dost thou now turn thy face from me with fine words he wheedles me and coaxes me not to know some secret thing go go pierre come to me when thou wilt i am steeled now to the worst and to the last again i tell thee i will do anything yes anything that pierre commands for though outer ill do lower upon us still deep within thou wilt be careful very careful with me pierre thou art made of that fine unshared stuff of which god makes his seraphim but thy divine devotedness to me is met by mine to thee well mayest thou trust me isabel and whatever strangest thing i may yet propose to thee thy confidence will it not bear me out surely thou wilt not hesitate to plunge when i plunge first already have i plunged now thou canst not stay upon the bank hearken hearken to me i seek not now to gain thy prior assent to a thing as yet undone but i call to thee now isabel from the depth of a foregone act to ratify it backward by thy consent look not so hard upon me listen i will tell all isabel though thou art all fearfulness to injure any living thing least of all thy brother still thy true heart foreknoweth not the myriad alliances and criss-crossings among mankind the infinite entanglements of all social things which forbids that one thread should fly the general fabric on some new line of duty without tearing itself and tearing others listen all that has happened up to this moment and all that may be yet to happen some sudden inspiration now assures me inevitably proceeded from the first hour i saw thee not possibly could it or can it be otherwise therefore feel i that i have some patience listen whatever outer things might possibly be mine whatever seeming brightest blessings yet now to live uncomforting and unloving to thee isabel now to dwell domestically away from thee so that only by stealth and base connivances of the night i could come to thee as thy related brother this would be and is unutterably impossible in my bosom a secret adder of self-reproach and self-infamy would never leave off its sting listen but without gratuitous dishonour to a memory which for right cause or wrong is ever sacred and inviolate to me i cannot be an open brother to thee isabel but thou wantest not the openness for thou dost not pine for empty nominalness but for vital realness what thou wantest is not the occasional openness of my brotherly love but its continual domestic confidence do i not speak thine own hidden heart to thee say isabel well then still listen to me one only way presents to this a most strange way isabel to the world that never throbbed for thee in love a most deceitful way but to all a harmless way so harmless in its essence isabel that seems to me pierre hath consulted heaven itself upon it and heaven itself did not say nay still listen to me mark me as thou knowest that thou wouldst now droop and die without me so would i without thee we are equal there mark that too isabel i do not stoop to thee nor thou to me but we both reach up alike to a glorious ideal 
now the continualness the secretness yet the always present domesticness of our love how may we best compass that without jeopardizing the ever sacred memory i hinted of one way one way only one a strange way but most pure listen brace thyself here let me hold thee now and then whisper it to thee isabel come i holding thee thou canst not fall he held her tremblingly she bent over toward him his mouth wet her ear he whispered it the girl moved not was done with all her tremblings leaned closer to him with an inexpressible strangeness of an intense love new and inexplicable over the face of pierre there shot a terrible self-revelation he imprinted repeated burning kisses upon her pressed hard her hand would not let go her sweet and awful passiveness then they changed they coiled together and entangledly stood mute chapter two mrs glendinning walked to her chamber her dress loosened that such accursed vileness should proceed from me now will the tongued world say see the vile boy of mary glendinning deceitful thick with guilt where i thought it was all guilelessness and gentlest docility to me it has not happened it is not day were this thing so i should go mad and be shut up and not walk here where every door is open to me my own only son married to an unknown thing my own only son fosters holiest plightest public vow and the wide world knowing to it he bears my name glendinning i will disown it were it like this dress i would tear my name off from me and burn it till it shrivel to a crisp pierre pierre come back come back and swear it is not so it cannot be wait i will ring the bell and see if it be so she rung the bell with violence and soon heard a responsive knock come in nay falter not throwing a shawl over her come in stand there and tell me if thou darest that my son was in this house this morning and met me on the stairs darest thou say that dates looked confounded at her most unwonted aspect say it find thy tongue or i will root mine out and fling it at thee say it my dear mistress i am not thy mistress but thou my master for if thou sayest it thou commandest me to madness o vile boy begone from me she locked the door upon him and swiftly and distractedly walked to her chamber she paused and tossing down the curtains shut out the sun from the two windows another but an unsummoned knock was at the door she opened it my mistress his reverence is below i would not call you but he insisted let him come up here immediately didst thou hear me that mr falsgrave come up as if suddenly and admonishingly made aware by dates of the ungovernable mood of mrs glendinning the clergyman entered the open door of her chamber with the most deprecating but honest reluctance and apprehensiveness of he knew not what be seated sir stay shut the door and lock it madam i will do it be seated hast thou seen him whom madam master pierre him quick it was to speak of him i came madam he made a most extraordinary call upon me last night midnight and thou marriedst him damn thee nay 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 madam there is something here 
i know not of i came to tell thee news but thou hast some o'erwhelming tidings to reveal to me i beg no pardons but i may be sorry mr falsgrave my son standing publicly plighted to lucy tartan has privately wedded some other girl some slut impossible true as thou art there thou knowest nothing of it then nothing nothing not one grain till now who is it he has wedded some slut i tell thee i am no lady now but something deeper a woman an outraged and pride-poisoned woman she turned from him swiftly and again paced the room as frantic and entirely regardless of any presence waiting for her to pause but in vain mr falsgrave advanced toward her cautiously and with the profoundest deference which was almost a cringing spoke it is the hour of woe to thee and i confess my cloth hath no consolation for thee yet awhile permit me to withdraw from thee leaving my best prayers for thee that thou mayest know some peace ere this now shut out sun goes down send for me whenever thou desirest me may i go now be gone and let me not hear thy soft mincing voice which is an infamy to a man be gone thou helpless and unhelping one she swiftly paced the room again swiftly muttering to herself now 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 i see it clearer 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 now as day my first dim suspicions pointed right to right i the sewing it was the sewing the shriek i saw him gazing rooted at her he would not speak going home with me i charged him with his silence he put me off with lies 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 ay ay he is married to her to her to her perhaps was then and yet and yet how can it be lucy lucy i saw him after that look on her as if he would be glad to die for her and go to hell for her whither he deserves to go oh 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 thus ruthlessly to cut off at one gross sensual dash the fair succession of an honourable race mixing the choicest wine with filthy water from the plebeian pool and so turning all to undistinguishable rankness o oh, viper had i thee now in me i would be a suicide and a murderer with one blow a third knock was at the door she opened it my mistress i thought it would disturb you it is so just overhead so i have not removed them yet unravel thy gibberish what is it pardon my mistress i somehow thought you knew it but you cannot what is that writing crumpling in thy hand give it me i have promised my young master not to my mistress i will snatch it then and so leave thee blameless what 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 he's mad sure fine old fellow dates what what mad and merry chest clothes trunks he wants them tumble them out of his window and if he stand right beneath tumble them out dismantle that whole room tear up the carpet i swear he shall leave no smallest vestige in this house here this very spot here here where i stand he may have stood upon yes he tied my shoestring here it's slippery dates my mistress do his bidding by reflection he has made me infamous to the world and i will make him infamous to it listen and do not delude thyself that i am crazy go up to yonder room pointing upward and remove every article in it and where he bid thee set down the chest and trunks there set down all the contents of that room twas before the house this house and if it had not been there i would not order thee to put them there dunce i would have the world know that i disown and scorn him do my bidding stay let the room stand but take him what he asks for 
i will my mistress as dates left the chamber mrs glendinning again paced it swiftly and again swiftly muttered now if i were less a strong and haughty woman the fit would have gone by ere now but deep volcanoes long burn ere they burn out oh that the world were made of such malleable stuff that we could recklessly do our fieriest heart's wish before it and not falter a curse be those four syllables of sound which make up that vile word propriety it is a chain and bell to drag drag what sound is that there's dragging his trunks the travellers dragging out oh would i could so drag my heart as fishers for the drowned do as that i might drag up my sunken happiness boy boy worse than brought in dripping drowned to me drowned in icy infamy oh 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 she threw herself upon the bed covered her face and lay motionless but suddenly rose again and hurriedly rang the bell open that desk and draw the stand to me now wait and take this to miss lucy with a pencil she rapidly traced these lines my heart bleeds for thee sweet lucy i cannot speak i know it all look for me the first hour i regain myself again she threw herself upon the bed and lay motionless chapter three towards sundown that evening pierre stood in one of the three bespoken chambers in the black swan inn the blue chintz covered chest and the writing desk before him his hands were eagerly searching through his pockets the key the key nay then i must force it open it bodes ill too yet lucky is it some bankers can break into their own vaults when other means do fail not so ever let me see yes the tongs there now then for the sweet sight of gold and silver i never loved it till this day how long it has been hoarded little token pieces of years ago from aunts uncles cousins innumerable and from but i won't mention them dead henceforth to me sure there'll be a premium on such ancient gold there's some broad bits token pieces to my i name him not more than half a century ago well well i never thought to cast them back into the sordid circulations whence they came but if they must be spent now is the time in this last necessity and in this sacred cause tis a most stupid dunderheaded crowbar hoy so ah now for it snake's nest for suddenly back the chest lid had as suddenly revealed to him the chair portrait lying on top of all the rest where he had secreted it some days before face up it met him with its noiseless ever nameless and ambiguous unchanging smile now his first repugnance was augmented by an emotion altogether new that certain lurking lineament in the portrait whose strange transfer blended with far other and sweeter and noble characteristics was visible in the countenance of isabel that lineament in the portrait was somehow now detestable nay altogether loathsome ineffably so to pierre he argued not with himself why this was so he only felt it and most keenly omitting more subtle inquisition into this deftly winding theme it will be enough to hint perhaps that possibly one source of this new hatefulness had its primary and unconscious rise in one of those profound ideas which at times atmospherically as it were do insinuate themselves even into very ordinary minds in the strange relativeness reciprocalness and transmittedness between the long-dead father's portrait and the living daughter's face pierre might have seemed to see reflected to him by visible and uncontradictable symbols the tyranny of time and fate 
painted before the daughter was conceived or born like a dumb seer the portrait still seemed levelling its prophetic finger at that empty air from which isabel did finally emerge there seemed to lurk some mystical intelligence and vitality in the picture because since in his own memory of his father pierre could not recall any distinct lineament transmitted to isabel but vaguely saw such in the portrait therefore not pierre's parent as any way rememberable by him but the portrait's painted self seemed the real father of isabel for so far as all sense went isabel had inherited one peculiar trait no whither traceable but to it and as his father was now sought to be banished from his mind as a most bitter presence there but isabel was become a thing of intense and fearful love for him therefore it was loathsome to him that in the smiling and ambiguous portrait her sweet mournful image should be so sinisterly becrooked bemixed and mutilated to him when the first shock and then the pause were over he lifted the portrait in his two hands and held it averted from him it shall not live hitherto i have hoarded up mementos and monuments of the past been a worshipper of all heirlooms a fond father a way of letters locks of hair bits of ribbon flowers and the thousand and one minutenesses which love and memory think they sanctify but it is for ever over now if to me any memory shall henceforth be dear i will not mummy it in a visible memorial for every passing beggar's dust to gather on love's museum is vain and foolish as the catacombs where grinning apes and abject lizards are embalmed as forsooth significant of some imagined charm it speaks merely of decay and death and nothing more decay and death of endless innumerable generations it makes of earth one mould how can lifelessness be fit memorial of life so far for mementos of the sweetest as for the rest now i know this that in commonest memorials the twilight fact of death first discloses in some secret way all the ambiguities of that departed thing or person obliquely it casts hints and insinuates surmises base and eternally incapable of being cleared decreed by god omnipotent it is that death should be the last scene of the last act of man's play a play which begin how it may in farce or comedy ever hath its tragic end the curtain inevitably falls upon a corpse therefore never more will i play the vile pygmy and by small memorials after death attempt to reverse the decree of death by assaying the poor perpetuating of the image of the original let all die and mix again as for this this why longer should i preserve it why preserve that on which one cannot patient look if i am resolved to hold his public memory inviolate destroy this thing for here is the one great condemning and unsuborned proof whose mysticalness drives me half mad of old greek times before man's brain went into doting bondage and bleached and beaten in baconian fulling mills his four limbs lost their barbaric tan and beauty when the round world was fresh and rosy and spicy as a new-plucked apple all's wilted now in those bold times the great dead were not turkey-like dished in trenchers and set down all garnished in the ground to glut the damned cyclops like a cannibal but nobly envious life cheated the glutton worm and gloriously burned the corpse so that the spirit uppointed and visibly forked to heaven so now will i serve thee though that solidity of which thou art the unsolid duplicate hath long gone to its hideous churchyard account and though god knows but for one part of thee it may have been fit auditing yet will i now a second time see thy obsequies performed and by now burning thee earn thee in the great vase of air come now
a small wood fire had been kindled on the hearth to purify the long closed room it was now diminished to a small pointed heap of glowing embers detaching and dismembering the gilded but tarnished frame pierre laid the four pieces on the coals as their dryness soon caught the sparks he rolled the reverse canvas into a scroll and tied it and committed it to the now crackling clamorous flames steadfastly pierre watched the first crispings and blackenings of the painted scroll but started as suddenly unwinding from the burnt string that had tied it for one swift instant seen through the flame and smoke the upwriving portrait tormentedly stared at him in beseeching horror and then wrapped in one broad sheet of oily fire disappeared for ever yielding to a sudden ungovernable impulse pierre darted his hand among the flames to rescue the imploring face but as swiftly drew back his scorched and bootless grasp his hand was burnt and blackened but he did not heed it he ran back to the chest and seizing repeated packages of family letters and all sorts of miscellaneous memorials and paper he threw them one after the other upon the fire thus and thus and thus on thy manes i fling fresh spoils pour out all my memory in one libation so 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 lower 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 now all is done and all is ashes henceforth cast out pierre hath no paternity and no past and since the future is one blank to all therefore twice disinherited pierre stands untrammelledly his ever-present self free to do his own self-will and present fancy to whatever end chapter four that same sunset lucy lay in her chamber a knock was heard at its door and the responding martha was met by the now self-controlled and resolute face of mrs glendinning how is your young mistress martha may i come in but waiting for no answer with the same breath she passed the maid and determinedly entered the room she sat down by the bed and met the open eye but closed and pallid mouth of lucy she gazed rivetedly and inquisitively a moment then turned a quick aghast look toward martha as if seeking warrant for some shuddering thought miss lucy said martha it is your it is mrs glendinning speak to her miss lucy as if left in the last helpless attitude of some spent contortion of her grief lucy was not lying in the ordinary posture of one in bed but lay half crosswise upon it with the pale pillows propping her hueless form but a single sheet thrown over her as though she were so heart overladen that her white body could not bear one added feather and as in any snowy marble statue the drapery clings to the limb so as one found drowned the thin defining sheet invested lucy it is mrs glendinning will you speak to her miss lucy the thin lips moved and trembled for a moment and then were still again and augmented pallor shrouded her martha brought restoratives and when all was as before she made a gesture for the lady to depart and in a whisper said she will not speak to any she does not speak to me the doctor has just left he has been here five times since morning and says she must be kept entirely quiet then pointing to the stand added you see what he has left mere restoratives quiet is her best medicine now he says quiet 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 oh sweet quiet wilt thou now ever come has mrs tartan been written to whispered the lady martha nodded so the lady moved to quit the room saying that once every two hours she would send to know how lucy fared but where where is her aunt martha she exclaimed lowly pausing at the door and glancing in sudden astonishment about the room surely surely mrs lanolin poor poor old lady weepingly whispered martha she hath caught infection from sweet lucy's woe she hurried hither caught one glimpse of that bed and fell like dead upon the floor the doctor hath two patients now lady glancing at the bed and tenderly feeling lucy's bosom to mark if yet it heaved alack alack o oh, reptile reptile 
that could sting so sweet a breast fire would be too cold for him accursed thy own tongue blister the roof of thy mouth cried mrs glendinning in a half-stifled whispering scream tis not for thee hired one to rail at my son though he were lucifer simmering in hell mend thy manners minx and she left the chamber dilated with her unconquerable pride leaving martha aghast at such venom in such beauty End of book twelve.